Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B, Michael Freer. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's. Real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And, well, Bruce... We've got another special guest today, so who's going to be joining us? We've got the reigning NBA Coach of the Year, Mike Brown of the Sacramento Kings, and he will be joining us in a matter of seconds, so stay tuned. Sacramento Kings head coach Mike Brown is one of the most historically significant figures in the NBA over the past two decades. He was named the first ever unanimous coach of the year for his work this past season. He also won coach of the year in 2007 with the Cavs. He's been a part of two NBA dynasties, San Antonio and Golden State. He's coached LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, and Stephen Curry, not to mention his current crew in SAC. And now he has helped resurrect the NBA in Sacramento after a long playoff drought. Welcome, Coach Brown. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. Last season was magical in Sacramento. I remember texting you in August of last year and said, you'll have your team in the playoffs and soon. Uh, Then you crushed it and made me look smart, which is not an easy thing to do, I might add. So as you build on last season's success, what are you and your staff focused on heading into the new season? You know, there there were a lot of good things that uh, our guys accomplished uh, last year as a group and, and even individually, too. And, you know, for us to be able to take that next step, I, I think our level of physicality um, has to increase. You know, we, we recognize it come playoff time. We did a good job increasing it come playoff time against the Warriors, but it took away from some other areas in our game. Like we felt like we had some open shots that we normally made during the regular season. Well, you know, when you're playing that much harder and that much more physical defensively, those open shots tend to not go in as easily as they did in the regular season because you're exerting more energy, you're using more energy. And also it's a mental thing too. You couple that with a lot of the other outside distractions that you find in the playoffs for the first time and uh, you're not as good of a shooting team as you thought you were. So uh, trying to not wait until the playoffs to turn the switch on because we're not that good. There are some teams, I've been a part of some teams that were that good but not wait until the playoffs to turn the switch on and try to up our game, especially in the area of physicality, is going to be big. And then on top of that, 
uh, dealing with expectations. We, we were good, but how do we come? How do we become great? Hey, coach, you guys really brought the excitement back to uh, Sacramento last season. What was it like with such passion from the fans? And do you feel the relationship between the teams and the city is a little more personal, given you know the size of the city of Sacramento? Hundred percent. The, the, I'm going to touch on that first. I mean, the, the, the relationship between the organization and the, the city is is at a high, high level. The connection there is extremely uh, tight, and, and, it, and it's real. It's not anything that's make-believe or anything like that, and it goes back, you know, years, decades. And, you know, when you have a fan base that um, has gone through what they've gone through but still have stuck with this team, you know, the way that they have and supported this team at the level that they have, you know you you have something special there. And, I, I, you know, I, I've been in a lot of different places during my 30-plus years in the NBA, and NBA fans, in my opinion, just in general, whether you're here in the U.S. or you go abroad, they're very passionate about the, the, the game. Uh, but it's, it's just different with, with the Kings and – uh, you know, I think some of it is it's a it's a small town uh, compared to some other cities. I think some of it is it's the only uh, pro team in town, so to speak. You know, there's a Sacramento Republic, and then we got a Triple A baseball team. But you know, the four major sports that uh, really draw and 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 you know, just just the they they do have history. They don't maybe have the deep history of the Lakers and the Celtics, but just that history. And the connection that the fans had from the guys back in the day has drawn not only those fans in, but it seems like the generations that go beyond. Because everybody always talks about, yeah, back in the day when I watched, you know, Vlade and Peja, but now my kid is watching Domas and and Fox. You know, it just seems to continue to grow. That helps out too. It's just an unbelievable fan base with a great connection. Coach, now last year during training camp, a clip went viral of you stopping practice, which looked like a full court drill. And it appeared your team lacked the energy and speed that you were looking for. And you took it upon yourself to amplify the building and brought the energy by saying, turn on the jets while you sprinted full speed down the floor. I'd argue that turn up the jets is right there with light the beam as far as quotes are concerned when defining the theme of last season with the high-octane offense and pace of play you guys had behind the leadership of De'Aaron Fox. What do you remember about that moment during camp? Would you agree with that assessment? And uh, most importantly, is that fuel ready to go this year if needed? The fuel is ready to go. Trust me. I, I mean, I'm, I can't wait. I'm chomping at the bits. I think our players are too, our coaches. So, so that we're ready to go there. But having said all that, that, that was – it, it, it just it just happened, it, you know. For us, we want to play fast. We have the personnel to play fast. We have enough shooting on the floor to keep the floor spread, so that our guys that can go fast not only will be able to go fast in the full court, but in the half court too. But to get that started, if you're not running, and I'm not talking about just the guy with the basketball, but if you don't have the ball and you're not running. Every single play, not most plays, but every single play to your spots to create that space so we can take advantage of our, our speed and our ability to shoot. If you're not doing it every single time, 
then it's useless. You know, everybody wants to run, but when you demand people to run every possession so that it can be effective, it's hard. And at, during that time, you know, we were getting introduced to a lot of stuff. Our, our, our players were, and we didn't quite get to the corners in a timely manner. And I, I just, I just had enough. I, I had to show them. At 52 years old, I'm 53 now, but at 52 years old, I can get to the freaking quarter. <laughs> and this is how you do it. And so I just took off. It, but the, the tough part about it is after I took off, I, you know, I, and I played it off really good. But after I took off, I was like, oh, crap, how am I going to stop? And I actually started to, after I got running and I actually realized that I was running and I was going faster than what I probably was capable of at the time, <laughs> even though it looked like I was running in slow motion, like the chariots of fire type deal. I felt <laughs> like I was moving. And when I was going, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to stop? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you know, when you stop, you know, you that's when the Achilles can go. And and so I just, I, I, I tried my best to kind of like as you're coming in and you're landing, just just kind of ease into it instead of stopping right away. <laughs> and thank goodness I didn't blow either Achilles or both my hammies. Yeah, that uh, well, that wouldn't have been season ending for you. You would have you would have been out there with a boot if you needed to. We know that we know that you're. Bruce, you got that right. I'd have been out there with a boot for sure. <laughs> All right. So last season, the Kings led the NBA in points scored. In your previous coaching stints, Mike Brown teams were always successful because of defense. Did your time in Golden State lead you to adjust your philosophy as far as the defense-offense balance? Did you change your philosophy at all as far as emphasizing a little more offense as a result of the time you spent uh, with the Warriors? 100%. Uh, you know, being an assistant for Steve for six years, uh, I learned a lot. You know, and I and I always say, you know, Steve's a, a young head coach, and, and and now let's get it straight. He's older than me, so but he's a young head coach from the standpoint that he hadn't been coaching that long. And you know where he is in his coaching uh, development, in my opinion, is is big time. It's phenomenal that he's sitting in in the seat that he's in right now on his coach coaching journey and has the understanding not only of what he needs to um, uh, converse to the guys about, but also what he, what he needs to teach him, when to teach him, how to teach him, how much. I, I, I was, I was in awe my whole six years there. More importantly with his ability to uh, message to the guys on a daily basis. Um, that was, that was phenomenal. But having said all that, watching, him interact with those guys offensively watching those guys because they you know he got a he let them be them <clears throat> you know he, he let Steph be Steph he let Draymond be Draymond he let Clay be Clay he let them evolve and or help that offense evolve into what it is right now and giving those guys um, ownership of that process uh, was really eye-opening for me because you know, Steve had a plan of what he wanted to do offensively, and he implemented a lot of stuff. But then Draymond would do this to add to it. Steph would do that to add to it. Clay would do that to add. And it was so good and connected that for me to sit and watch it on a daily basis for six years 
really started to get my my wheels turning. And when I coached the Nigerian team, you know, one of the players that we had on that Nigerian team that was also here in Sacramento was Chemezi Mitsu. A lot of what we tried to do here this past year, we implemented it with the Nigerian national team. And it helped us have a little bit of success. You know, the tough part about it is with the Nigerian team, you're only together for you know two to three weeks. Here, we knew we would have time to really implement the nitty gritties ness of what the offense is going to be from top to bottom. And so, uh, a lot of it was influenced from my time in Golden State, but also knowing that I'm probably not going to have the same type of players. But if I have you know, something similar, this is what I'd like to do. Coach, and uh, talking about players here, I'd like to talk about the addition of Sasha Vezenkov to your roster. He's a seasoned pro who's 28 years old, coming off winning the 2023 EuroLeague MVP award. How excited are you to add him as a sharpshooting weapon to your nucleus? And what can you tell us about him? I, uh, you know, what? I, I, I'm excited. He, he, you know, it's a couple of things you're right. He's he's a very good shooter, and it's early. I've only been around him for a couple of weeks now, but he, he I could say what I've seen so far, he's one of the better shooters that I've been around. He's not Stepher Clay. I don't know if anybody would be on Stepher Clay's level, but he can really shoot the ball. He, he has a tremendous feel for the game, so he passes well. He spaces the floor well. He cuts well. He plays really hard. Um, and, you know, he, he's not afraid of contact, whether that's defensively, uh, offensively, or rebounding on both sides of the ball. So, you know, you have those things at his size, and you're extremely excited. The reality of it is, you know, let's, let's keep it real, everybody's going to test him defensively. Yep. And so it's going to be up to him, you, you know, to hold his own on that end of the floor. And if he can hold his own on that end of the floor, uh, we're going to have a special player here because he's got a lot of the other attributes out there uh, that can give him a chance to have a very, very successful NBA career. Hey, Coach, was there, last season, was there anyone on your roster that, that really surprised you last season? In other words, you knew about this player being an assistant, you're watching uh, – this roster play before, but then when you become the head coach and you're with them every day, was there somebody there that you were like, wow, I didn't realize he had that skill set? First one, I mean, there were a couple of guys, <clears throat> and the first one that kind of jumps out at me is probably it's probably Kevin. You know, Kevin at Red Velvet, I guess y'all would call him Red Velvet. He, <laughs> you know, you knew that he was a pretty good shooter. You knew he could play make a little bit too. Uh, you know, you knew he was a pretty good passer because you could see it on the film. But what I didn't know from Kevin is his ability to play with the pace that he played with. Again, not just in transition, but in the half court. It's similar to Clay. Again, please, people out there, I'm not trying to say Kevin is Clay. Right. <laughs> Thompson, okay, I'm not trying to right. say that. But when you have a guy that can shoot, not only shoot, but when he catches, make a play off the dribble nice little pull-up game, or make the right pass on time on target. If that player knows how to move without the ball and use screens, go slow to quick, quick to slow to create that separation, just his pace alone is going to generate open looks 
or his teammates. And, you know, uh, Atlanta, they were primarily a pick-and-roll based offense with the ball in Trey's hands. So you didn't see Kevin move as much as he moves for us. And that movement surprised me because I thought he could be good. I didn't know he was going to be that good. And, you know, same with Malik. Uh, I thought Malik would be good in the pick-and-roll. I'm telling you, Malik is explosive in the pick-and-roll game. And that's why I'm excited to have a guy like JaVale because JaVale is already 7-1. He's a, one of the best vertical threats in the game. And he gets in and out of a screen and roll just as quick as anybody. And so now you've you got Malik going downhill with his explosiveness and, and his ability to throw that lob. And now you have a guy like JaVale that can catch those lots. It's going to open up the – It's going to, in my opinion, it's going to open up a guy like Malik's game that much more. He, you know, he's deadly in the pick and roll. I, I can say even about Domas, you know, I knew he was good. I knew he could play the DHO game. I knew he could pass. But he does stuff out on the floor too. Again, once you're around him, that make you go, oh, my gosh, okay. We really – I thought we had something here. We really might have something here, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, people say, well, what about Fox? I, I was fortunate, blessed, lucky, have you want to call it, to have Fox at an Adidas Nations camp back in the day when he was in high school. And I thought back then, when I had him for those three, four days, whatever it was, that he can be, if not one of the top five players in the league, at least close to it. And I just felt he hadn't really started to scratch his potential uh, prior to, to, to us getting here. And so to, to be able to see it and see him grow as quickly as he had in a year, and not just with his ability to score and all that, but even grow, grow defensively and grow with his leadership skill set, it, it's been tremendous. And I'm telling you, he's, he's just now starting to scratch the surface. He's still got – the neat part about it, he still has a lot of room to grow. So – he can be a special, special player that you talk about for generations uh, when it comes to the game of basketball. Coach, there were two huge nationally televised games for your team last year. The Nets versus Kings game, in which Sacramento's, which was Sacramento's first TNT game since 2018, where you guys scored 153 points in a win. And then there was the double OT Kings Clippers game where you won 176 to 175, good for the second highest scoring game in NBA history. How big were both of those national spotlight games for you guys? They were huge, you know, because, look, the reality of it is everybody wants to play a national game. Yeah. Uh, well, more than eight. Everybody wants to play multiple national games. Not only that, everybody wants to be on Christmas, play on Christmas Day because you know when you're starting to consistently have, you know, 20 plus or 18, however you want to call it, national TV games, you know, especially if you include NBA TV and some other, uh, other network, then you, and on top of that, and you're on, and you're playing on Christmas, then you got some, some good going with your organization, not just the people that in the, within the organization or the people in the city of Sacramento know it, but people on a national level know it, people on a, on a worldly level know about it. And so, you know, you, you look for those things to happen because, again, it, 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 it also says, okay, you guys are, are doing good. You're working your tail off, and here's the reward for it. You know, it, it, yeah. it shows a little progress. So I, it, they were big for us that we went and performed. And we performed 
in a way, you know, and there are some things that we had to clean up defensively because, you know, the Clippers scored too and uh, the Nets scored a little bit too. But you perform in a way that people appreciate the game of basketball and get excited about your your franchise and your players. And so I, I, I truly believe it helped propel a, a lot of our guys from the unknown to, oh, my gosh, did you see what he did during that game? And, you know, when you get that, that's good for everybody's, you know, soul, feel-good story. Absolutely. And, Coach, we appreciate you hanging out with us. We're going to take a quick halftime break here, and we'll be back with you for the second half. And we're back with the start of the second half. Bruce? I want to take you back a couple decades, Coach Brown. Your first year, yeah, I know, you know, your first year as an assistant coach with San Antonio was 23 years ago. When Greg Popovich interviewed you for the job, what do you think that you said in that interview that impressed him enough that he said, I'm hiring Mike Brown? You know, he was he was actually a little hesitant at first because what he said to me initially was, "Okay, I'm gonna offer you the job, but I'm not sure about you as a front of the bench coach. So I'm gonna start you out behind the bench, and if I feel like you've earned the right to move to the front of the bench, I'll rip up your contract and re- redo it, and then move you to the front of the bench." So I said, "I said okay." And this was probably the 5th of August when we hammered out a deal. We went on our coaches retreat the 15th of August. So I fly out. I'm there for the week. Uh, at the end of the week, he said, hey, I'm going to move you to the front of the bench. <laughs> and, uh, and, he, and he redid my deal. And, and I asked him later what was the holdup. And, uh, and what he told me, he said, uh, our staff was, he was obviously the head coach. Um, our lead assistant was a guy named Hank Egan. I don't know if you guys remember that name. Oh, but sure. Long-time coach at Air Force Academy. Coach Pop, he coached Pop at Air Force Academy. Um, and then long-time coach at University of San Diego where he was my college coach. So he's wow. the lead assistant. The second assistant was Mike Boonholzer. And I was vying for the third assistant spot. Um, Pop's whole deal was he thought that when we got to coaches meetings and it got really thick and we had to debate on this issue or that issue, he thought I was always going to fall in line with Coach Egan because Coach Egan, a fiery Irish guy. Uh, and, and, and so he, he just knew that I was still scared of him from my playing days. <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, so I wouldn't speak my mind. But, but I think after that weekend on the coach's retreat, he realized that Mike's going to speak his mind, so we're good. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, final question for you, Coach. You have coached some of the all-time greatest players, not even in dispute. LeBron James in Cleveland, Kobe Bryant in Los Angeles, Stephen Curry in the Bay Area, Tim Duncan in San Antonio. How did working with such special talent help you to become a better coach? Well, the first thing is in this business, you always got to try to find ways to evolve. And, um, you know, I felt like I, I'm always trying to do that. I evolved a lot the last six years working for Steve down in Golden State. And, you know, as you get older and you go through real life problems, that helps you evolve. 
Uh, but you also learn a lot from the, the people you work with, and especially the players. Uh, they know the ins and outs of this game better than you do as a coach because they are actually going through it night in, night out, uh, whether it's a game or it's in practice. And so to be around such great players, uh, as long as you're open-minded, uh, gives you an opportunity to learn from the best in some of the toughest situations because they've seen almost every type of defense come their way. Uh, they're great also because of their offensive ability too. And so they know how they've gotten there. They know what they've gone through to get there and what helped them get there in terms of the offensive sets or the players around them. And so to be able to listen to them when they talk, to be able to watch them when they play or practice or work out, uh, to be able to ask them questions uh, on a daily basis is something that I'll never take for granted because you will learn a lot from each and every one of them. And then you throw in the common factor that they all have, which is a competitive fire that is unmatched by most people in this world, um, helps them be who they are. And it also helps you understand how they are as talented, gifted, and special they are as players. Coach, we want to thank you once again for joining us here today and taking the time out of your day to join us on 48 Minutes. And uh, we wish you all the best of luck this season in Sacramento and look forward to your upcoming games. And I hope you will go ahead and, uh, you know, turn on the Jets for, for your squad come training camp. Is, is, is that word for word what I said? Uh, I'm leaving out uh, one word, a big oh, F word there, but okay. you know, yeah. <laughs> Pretty, I'm just checking. I'm just yeah. checking. We're, we're a family friendly show here. So, okay, okay. Uh, you know, yeah, you, you were turning up the Jets is, what, what, okay. is the way we'll refer to it. Yep. So, PG 13. PG 13. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So, with that, that will do it with this edition of the 48 Minutes Podcast on Bleed presented by Bet Online. Once again, I want to thank Coach Brown for joining us, and uh, we'll be back with you next week to be sure you're up to date in 48 on all things around the association. Take care, everybody. Thank you, guys. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.